Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Today is Tuesday, October 6th. Last week, the President of the United States announced that he tested positive for COVID-19. This is not an episode about that, though it is an episode about his supporters. We were planning to release it this coming Friday, but the way the news is moving right now, that just feels way too far away. So let's get to it. Every week, I look at Brave Little State's download numbers to see how our latest episodes are doing and see what folks are listening to from our archive. And we have some older episodes that just keep getting played, including this one from November 2016. Election night, just a couple of minutes before 7 o'clock, when the polls officially closed... An episode about the nearly 100,000 Vermonters who voted for Donald Trump that year. I I had no passion for him. It was just totally an anti-Hillary vote. When he wanted to bring it back to kind of mirror the men who built this country and made it great again... That's why I voted for him. I was certain after this interview, I will receive a letter in the mail that says, you would now ask to leave Vermont. <laughs> that was Laura Ryder, and before her, James Bouvet and Michael Spafford. Hello, and thanks for calling VPR's Brave Little State Hotline. After the beep, tell us what question you want VPR to investigate. Fast forward four years, we were touring with the idea of returning to these voters to see how they're going to vote this time. And then we got this voicemail on our BLS hotline. Hi, this is Sarah Page from Brattleboro, Vermont. I was hoping that you would re-interview the subjects you spoke with in your November 30th, 2016 podcast as to their view of President Trump and his administration and whether it has changed. If it has, how so, why, and why not? Thank you. So it was meant to be. With the election coming up, mail-in voting already underway, and a president who has not pledged to accept the results if he loses, we check back in with some of his supporters and meet some new ones, too. He doesn't always get his facts straight, but he's sure done good with the economy, stock market. I'm not blaming Donald Trump for the division. I'm not, not even a little bit. I'm waiting to see what's gonna take place in the next couple of weeks. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Welcome to the show. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. The big question in a re-election story is, of course, does this candidate have the same level of support that they used to? 
But we didn't have to go back to the people from our old episode to get a sense of that. A September poll from VPR and Vermont PBS found that 32 percent of likely Vermont voters support President Trump's re-election. That's roughly the same percentage as 2016, about one in three voters. The national polls tell a different story. As of early October, Trump's support appears to be flagging. But in Vermont, has anything changed? Hello? Hi, is this Bailey? Since just two people from our 2016 episode agreed to another interview, we wanted to find some new voices. Yes, who's calling? Hi, George. My name is Angela Evansy. I'm a reporter. So I made dozens of phone calls to people who'd responded to the recent poll. I don't know how uh, anyone responded to the poll. That's not on my my sheet here. I got some intense responses. I'm wondering if you're going to be voting for Donald Trump this year. No. No way in hell. From Vermonters who aren't Trump supporters. Good God, no. Nope. (laughs) You definitely called the wrong asshole on that one. Let me put it this way. There's not enough money in the whole wide world for me to vote for Trump. I'd vote for him for a place in in an institution. Did you happen to vote for him in 2016? No, I did not. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, yeah, you hit one of the, the more intelligent households that you're probably going to be calling. No offense to you, I'm sure. He must be. In this light, it's easy to understand why some Trump voters are taking a pass on the press. The people you're going to hear from today are either super outspoken, Trump flags, bumper stickers, or they're hesitant to talk politics publicly. That certainly goes for Michael Spafford. Well, I met Michael Spafford back in 2016 when we did that first story about the Trump voters in Vermont. My colleague Howard Weiss-Tisman covers southern Vermont for VPR. And um, he lives in Clarendon. He runs a uh, general store. We visited him right after the election, and he made it pretty clear back then that he wasn't totally excited about it. I had no passion for Trump the entire election, and I had no passion for him when I checked his name. It was just totally an anti-Hillary vote. And so he told me, you know, four years ago that the 2016 election was so contentious and so ugly, he had hopes that it might lead to some real changes. I think it's a huge wake-up call for the Democratic Party, but it's a huge wake-up call for the Republican Party. Look who these guys are saddled with right now. None of them like him. So fast forward four years, how does Michael Spafford think things are going in the country at this point? I'm seeing friends of mine on both sides not treating mutual friends respectfully, lovingly, kindly, and honorably due to the political divide in our country today. And I don't necessarily think it comes from So I was able to catch up with him again, and we talked a little bit about how the past four years have gone, and this is what he told me. I think it's an issue of the heart. Like, um, I'm waiting for the pendulum to swing back, and I firmly believe it will. But right now, the spirit of our times, there's hostility, there's anger, there's fear. Neither side is willing to give up an inch. Um, He still lives in Clarendon. He still runs the store on Route 7. And he didn't want to talk 
at first. He said the last time he did the interview for the story in 2016, he got some pushback. Um, there were some customers in his store who were upset. And, you know, he said both sides were upset with him. Um, his Democratic friends were upset that he voted for Trump and his Republican friends were upset that he wasn't so strongly supporting the president. So we had a few conversations um, off the record, as it were. We just chatted a little bit and eventually he did open up. Why is it that you and I come across wonderful people in our paths each and every day? And now it's down to this. We're arguing the merits of uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It just sounds like he's disappointed in the whole process, that he doesn't have a lot of options. It's like this is the best we've got after 244 years and 320 million people. We've got these two people running, and we have to make our choice between these two. Well, did Michael Spafford give you any indication of how he feels the past four years have gone under the Trump administration? He didn't want to talk about specific issues, but you could you could hear it in his voice that he did have problems with um, Donald Trump. Trump might not always have the greatest way of saying things, but the issues that I'm passionate about have been with me since I was in junior high school. The issues haven't changed. The presidents have, but the issues I'm passionate about have remained the same. And so did he tell you specifically that he's going to vote for Donald Trump again? He didn't really. It doesn't sound like he's completely made up his mind yet. It sounds like he's got some hesitations about the country and some hesitations about the candidates for this presidential election. Trump and the Republican Party would be more in line with my, my very, very long list of issues that are near to my heart. But I'm not happy about a lot of them. And I'm waiting to see what's going to take place in the next couple of weeks. Another voter from our 2016 episode was Mary Gert. Here's what she said back then. I connected with a lot of people that were conservative, that are disabled, that are Sikhs, Sikhs for Trump, Blacks for Trump. So I think we all kind of coalesced in this group that wasn't ever there before. The past four years have held big changes for Mary and her husband. We made a big move from Vermont. We lived in Moncton for about 40 years since I moved to Vermont. And uh, we decided to sell our farm, what was left of it in the house, and moved to Virginia. She says it was an affordability decision. Now she lives in a town called Louisa. On a dirt, slightly dirt road. Nothing like I used to travel in Vermont. <laughs> Something that hasn't changed? Mary's support for Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definite. Yeah. No question. Mary used to be a diehard Democrat. Her words. You know, I think about the benevolence of being a Democrat, take care of everybody. But then when it tips over into progressive 
government or socialist socialism where you're taking from everybody. There's no motivation to get ahead, you know. Now she's a Republican. I would say more libertarian if that could ever become successful. This former nurse says she picked Trump in 2016 because she didn't like Obamacare. It overpromised. And I was hoping to see a shakeup in in government where it wasn't just career politicians going back to the trough and just, you know, not being in touch with me on my level. So on those two points, how are you feeling like things have gone? Well, I feel like, you know, the deficit just goes up and up and it doesn't seem to change in that respect. Um, I think there's definitely a division in the country, division in my family, my friends. You'll notice that Mary cited two negatives. When I asked her what she thinks has been positive about the Trump presidency, she mentions a few things. Deregulation, a list she'd seen online about what Trump has done for black Americans and the first lady, Melania Trump. But do you do you feel like your life is better, you know, four years into a Trump presidency? Well, you know, part of it's, yes, in a way, part of it's feeling good that we won. You know, it's like, honestly, Hillary really sunk my boat when she said his followers are all deplorable. What does that mean, deplorable? Mary is still savoring that four-year-old victory. I felt pretty good about that. I felt pretty good about the fact that we finally came to the realization that we had to leave Vermont and we had to just do it. (laughs) That was tough. That was really tough. So on a personal level, and, you know, I've been disabled a while, but it's been hard to, it's been hard to handle not working. These days, Mary spends most of her time at home. I do a lot of internet, you know, surfing. I tweet a lot. And um, I have a blog. I do a blog every day. I joined Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, which is a conservative Twitter kind of a thing. When she talked to BLS four years ago, Mary said she hoped Americans would learn how to talk across difference. And find common ground. How do you think that's going in our country right now? Yeah, I think it's it's not happening. Yeah. It's a great divide. And I think that shutting us down has made it bigger. How so with the shutdowns? I think it's more divisive, you know, and contentious. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Mary is talking about Trump's politicization of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is widely seen as contributing to our country's high death toll, 209,000 Americans and counting. But Mary doesn't blame the president for our country's response. I think Dr. Fauci is one thing that he's, he really shouldn't be using that guy. She blames other public figures. The New York governor, I've been hung up on that. She has no problem with Trump's response to the racial justice protests either. I was hoping that they would let him keep the National Guard in those places. In fact, no matter which national crisis we talk about, 
Mary has no words of criticism for the president, even when she disagrees with his policies. How are you feeling about how President Trump's administration has dealt with the climate crisis? Well, you know, I'm, I've been anti-fracking for forever. That is something I completely disagree with. And on the other hand, fuel's a lot cheaper. I mean, but I, I'm concerned about that. And I'm concerned about, in the West, you know, the lack of good forestry management. Recent polling shows Joe Biden ahead in Mary's new home state of Virginia. What will you do if Joe Biden wins? Oh, I'll just start crying. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I, I'm not sure my life will change all that much. It's Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. We just heard from two people who appeared in our 2016 episode about Vermont Trump voters. Now we're going to meet some new people. First up. I felt when I first looked into Donald Trump in 2016, I really believed that he loved America. Um, I liked his attitude and I thought he was strong. And I thought we needed that. Um, As it turns out, I'm looking at Donald Trump today thinking he has exceeded all my expectations. Um, I am really pleased. This is Linda Dempsey of Bradford. She says she's pleased with what Donald Trump has done on multiple fronts. Immigration, jobs. Stop relying on these other countries because when you rely on other countries to make your stuff and they cut you off, you're in big trouble. And I I don't understand why so many think that being an independent country where you can take care of yourself is a problem. But she's also motivated by anger and fear. When I look at the trouble that I'm seeing today, like these rioters and, you know, our, our athletes, you know, taking a knee instead of saluting the flag... People, you know, in these cities, like, wanting to defund the police, you know, the mayors and whatever. Who does that? Without the police to protect and serve, we're not safe. Um, That's an issue to me. I feel like the common um, response I hear to what you're saying is, you know, you're looking around the country and you're seeing all these terrible things happening, so much civil unrest. And um, I... It seems like a common counterpoint is that these are things that are happening with Donald Trump as the president. Like, they're happening on his watch. Yeah, but he's he's trying to stop that. But these these cities where this rioting is taking place, the mayors, the people running those cities, step back and let it happen. And they tell their police officers, no, 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 no. You're not, don't, don't leave them alone. I don't understand it. So, you know what? This has nothing to do with Donald Trump except for just taking America down. This is this is a very hateful group. What do you think about the um like the reasons people say that they're protesting, you know, I believe they're being paid. You believe all of the I protesters are being most paid? Of them, most of those groups are being paid. Who by whom? George Soros. I've heard it, but I can't prove it, but I just believe there's something behind that. If it's not that, it's something else. 
I want to be clear that what Linda is talking about here is a conspiracy theory. It has no basis in fact. What is true is that millions and millions of people have marched this year as part of the Black Lives Matter movement, and the vast majority of the protests have been peaceful. Do you believe in the constitutional right to, I to protest? I believe they can protest. We people should protest. But I don't, I really, really, really don't think this has anything to do with black lives. I really don't. This is a political move. And these, I really do, really do believe that there's somebody big behind, behind all this. This isn't the only misinformation Linda Dempsey references when we talk. She's also skeptical of the facts about the pandemic. I think the numbers were jacked. I really do. And I think people did die from it. And I do think it was probably serious. Um, But I don't think it was nearly as as serious as as they made it. I don't think anybody needs to be running around in masks. I don't don't think any of it. I don't. And I feel bad because I think so many people were so scared. And it totally destroyed so many things for people. Um, Again, I think that was pretty convenient. Um, well, what do you what do you mean when you say? You think well, it was yeah, convenient? when it's convenient, I think this I think this um, pandemic it wasn't really that serious, but it was an opportunity to make it into a big problem. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, periodically, you'll see these YouTubes come on, and they'll be like doctors that or nurses with cameras. Linda on references YouTube a lot. It's where she gets almost all her news. The only mainstream TV I watch, and it's only once in a while, is um, Fox. And based on what she's seeing, Linda thinks there's a strong contrast between Joe Biden's base and Trump's base. I see the Republican Party has, you know, the the supporters of of the Republican Party have these boat rallies. Yeah, the cruises. They're gigantic. And what do you see? You see happiness. You say, support our police. We love America. Um, four more years. I mean, you see, you know, and you hear the national anthem playing on their speakers. I mean, these people love their country, and they are big. I, I'm seeing um, that, and then I might wait a little while longer on the same channel, and now what I'm seeing is a bunch of crazy people running through cities, you know, busting out windows, beating people up, putting things on fire. I go, what a contrast. What a contrast. And for Linda Dempsey, this election is all about that contrast. For me, I really, truly, 100% believe this. This is a, this is an election year about freedom or socialism. Um, this is a you know, freedom or control. Um, guns or no guns. Choices or no choices. It it the contrast is is just so black and white. Linda also said something that caught my ear about accountability. Because if you just listen to the words, it's the same rhetoric you'll hear among Democratic voters. There's like no accountability anymore. There's two sets of rules. One for this side, one for that side. And I think it's horrible. It, there, there's so much division. I just like, I, it's everywhere. And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that when it comes to lawbreakers... There should be consequences, but there isn't always. Linda Dempsey will be voting in person on November 3rd. Our last interview today is courtesy of my colleague Anna Van Dyne. She's based in the Mad River Valley.
Okay, so a few weeks ago, I was driving in Moortown and I stopped at a yard sale. And the first thing I noticed about the house was this display of flags hanging from the porch. There was a Vermont state flag, a don't tread on me flag, and a Trump 2020 keep America great flag. Did you get anything at the yard sale? I actually didn't, which was kind of a disappointment. But I did meet the man who lived at the house. Um, his name is Raymond Munn. And he's an older guy. He's got some gray facial hair that was peeking out from under his mask. He was wearing a t-shirt and jean shorts and a hat that said Trump 2020. And that's why on the last Tuesday in September, I got back in the car and drove down the road to Raymond's house to talk to him. How would you describe yourself as a person? Well, I got the nickname of Trouble. <laughs> At what age? Oh, God, that started way back in high school. <laughs> what did you do? Oh, just done my own thing, I guess. I just have always liked to crank somebody up. They'd say, you know, say their views about something. Even though I agree with them, I would used to go the opposite way, just to stir the pot. Can't do that anymore. You get in trouble, real trouble today. So Raymond Munn voted for Trump in 2016. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he's definitely planning to vote for him again in 2020. Yes. Um, and actually, one of the first things I asked him when we sat down six feet apart at his dining room table was why he had voted for Trump in the last election in 2016. Well, number one was I voted for Donald Trump was because he was a businessman and not a politician. He'd done very well bringing the economy back and also with some foreign countries. He did not back down from them. And I think he's just, he's done a, a great job. Although sometimes he talks and twitters a little too much. He doesn't always get his facts straight, people. A lot of people says he lies a lot. Uh, he's this, he's that, but he sure done good with the economy, stock market. And aside from that, he also told me he was concerned about gun control. He's a hunter. Actually, at one point when we were talking, he stopped in the middle of answering a question to point out some turkeys in the field. Um, and he's not a fan of the Affordable Care Act. And he told me he wants to see the economy improve, which is what it had been doing fairly steadily in between 2008 and the pandemic. And he says the U.S. should be more economically autonomous. He thinks Trump will make that happen. And, you know, I just think that another four years he'll get the U.S. back to where it belongs. Raymond Munn is 76, and he's lived in the Mad River Valley pretty much his whole life. And now he's got kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And money is a concern for him. When he was younger, he did jobs like construction. And today he still works odd jobs, like taking care of some properties and helping a couple local businesses with pickups and deliveries. So where does he fall politically? Like, Does he identify as a Republican? No, I asked him how uh, he would characterize his politics, and he says that he's an independent. I'm from the old school. If you wanted something, you had to work for it. And nothing was 
free. And I would like to see that get back to that. And this is actually something I noticed he went back to a lot during our conversation. He kept talking about how he thinks things aren't what they used to be. And he's troubled by that. Yes, it worries me way, way society is today, way kids are growing up today. Um, that that worries me. My children, my grandchildren, um, they know how to survive if they had to find their own food or to heat their homes or whatever. They would survive. So how does Trump align with those values for you? I guess I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain my thoughts. Um, I just think that things are. If we go the other way, I don't know what's going to happen, and it is scary. How? Tell, tell me how it's scary. Well, I think if if the Democrats take control, or if the Democrats control our administration. They're going to control everything. Anna, before you did this interview, I asked you to ask Raymond, what, if anything, would make him change his mind about his vote? Did you talk to him about that? I did. And I asked him that question pretty much verbatim. And he thought about it for a second. And then he said this. I don't think there's anything that's going to change my mind. He wasn't concerned about Trump's response to the pandemic. He said the president probably wasn't well-informed. And he wasn't phased by the news about Trump's tax returns. Raymond says he doesn't trust the media, and that Trump's taxes aren't any of his business anyway. He can't walk on water. You know, I'm sure that there are some things I disagree with. But my feelings are good outweigh the bad. And he told me he'll be casting his ballot for Trump in person at the town clerk's office in Moortown in the coming days. Postscript. We reached back out to everyone to see if the news about Trump's COVID-19 changed their calculus at all. Michael Spafford, the undecided voter, wrote this in an email. Quote, I am still going into the election with an open mind. I received my mail-in ballot the other day and have been researching all my options. I was surprised to see the Libertarian candidate was in Vermont this weekend. Unquote. Here's Mary Gert. No, not really, because um, he's doing really well, and I don't think it's been as serious as it might have been. And Linda Dempsey. I mean, I don't actually see how it could change anything. I mean, he's a human being. He's susceptible to getting sick just like the rest of us. The one sure thing that I can say about this is I think this really gives him an edge, a super duper edge on how he should proceed with the whole COVID thing. So that's the way I look at it. Am I worried about him? Not at all. And finally, Raymond Munn. I don't know what's going on. He was supposed to get discharged today, but I heard he left yesterday, so I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, are you concerned? Yeah. 
Yeah, but I have been talking with some of my friends in Florida, some of my friends here in Vermont. They think he's going to lose. Really? Yep. And then in three to six months, um, Pelosi will say he that Biden's not fit. He he is having mental problems, and they're going to somehow get him out. Biden out as president. Uh, who is it? Harris will oversee it. She'll become president, and Pelosi will become vice president. Are you saying that they think that Nancy Pelosi is going to stage a coup? Yep. Yes, that sounds outlandish, but perhaps it's a taste of what's to come. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Vermonters, if you haven't voted yet, check out our station's voter guide at vpr.org. This episode was produced by Anna Van Dyne, Howard Weiss-Tisman, and me, with editing by Lynn McRae. Our digital producer is Elodie Reed, and we have engineering support from Chris Albertine. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund and VPR members. You can support our show with a gift at bravelittlestate.org slash donate. Leave us a rating or review on your podcast app, or just say hi on Twitter or Instagram. We're at BraveStateVT. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon. Until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.